You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahraven.com. Welcome to Grow, Cook, Eat, Arrange, the podcast of me, Sarah Raven, and normally my mate and colleague, Arthur Parkinson. But today I've given Arthur the day off because I wanted to chat to an even older friend than Arthur, Emma Bridgewater, who I'm sure lots of you will know, but I'm just going to do a really brief introduction to her just in case you don't. Emma and I were actually brought up very close to each other um, and so had our childhood just outside Cambridge but actually although I kind of heard of her I never met her until I went to write about the garden that she had at a beautiful old rectory in Norfolk and I wrote about it for the Telegraph and I immediately fell in love with Emma and Matthew's garden and them as people and they've been great great friends ever since. The funny thing is, of course, Emma set up her brand way before I set up my gardening brand, as I suppose you call it. And so she sort of mentored me in the early days and has been a real fantastic friend and guiding light. And so it just seemed like such a lovely thing to have her on the podcast to talk about her love of gardening and how it's kind of influenced her and the designs in the brand. So welcome, Emma. It's so lovely to have you here. Oh, thank you, Sarah. What very nice things you say. I quite agree. There's lots of similarities in our lives and our careers. And one of the things that struck me recently, actually, after I was talking to you um, last week, is that what we've both done is is kind of made businesses out of things that we kind of grew up with, very passionately held things. And there's something both fantastic and quite kind of Perhaps it's quite sort of exhausting about doing that. There's so much of me in my business. And I always think so much of you in yours. I've just been looking at your new catalogs. They're just fantastic. And they're so inspiring. And you're having such a massive effect on the look of, of our gardens everywhere. It's amazing. It's amazing what you're doing. Really um, <laughs> we, we, can, we can have a mutual admiration society. And of course, I mustn't slide off Arthur too quickly either, because he is the co-host of the podcast normally. And of course, he um, worked with you in Stoke, which we're going to come on to Stoke in a bit and the, and the amazing factory. He's an amazing person. He made the factory garden look like what it looked like Chelsea. It was fantastic. Yeah. He knows how to turn on the the glamour in the garden, doesn't he? And in his flower arrangements, he surely does. So I suppose the, the first thing I wanted to talk to you about linking us even more than we've already discussed is how kind of nature and gardens inspired you from your childhood and and sort of how they've continued to be such a thread through your patterns and through the whole kind of the feel of the Emma Bridgewater brand. Absolutely. I mean, in a way, what else is there but the natural world to draw on as a designer? It's everything. But I was lucky in that my mum and her mum before her were very good gardeners, made lots of gardens sort of in the course of their busy, quite quite sort of mobile lives. And I mean, in a way that I find quite poignant. I I remember as a as a teenager and in my twenties, 
rigorously ignoring the gardening talk, thinking I'll come around to that later. And (laughs) my mum had an awful accident and just exactly when I started to need and long for some gardening advice, she was gone. But as it happened, I married a fantastic gardener. And so I kind of, I've always been around gardening, but it's only recently that I've come to kind of actually get my own hands in the dirt. And that's been a lovely extra revelation. The marvellous thing about about COVID and being sent home was I eventually overcame my sort of sense that I was not going to be any good at it. And mm. I'm st- it was still at small scale what I'm doing, but golly, it's exciting. I've really enjoyed mm. growing sweet peas and dahlias and kale. and I mean, all in kind of quite a muddle, but it's been really nice. Yeah, no, you sent me through lockdown, you sent me pictures of your first sort of lettuces and things and saying, asking me to critique your your growing techniques. And um, it was so nice. It's so sort of, there is something very joyful and childlike, isn't there, about discovering something in our in our late 50s, early 60s. There's nothing better than plunging into something that is essentially creative and and sort of chucking your inhibitions and shyness aside and just having a go. Yeah. I want to report that. I I came back from London to Norfolk last night and my sweet pea seeds have actually (laughs) struck. They've germinated. Oh, that's so so good. (laughs) I remember bringing you... And asking for, or messaging for advice on how to get my parsley to germinate, and you gave me the magic tip. I do. Th- I think that your the way you and Arthur give us lots of lots of information is absolutely invaluable. You've been the kind of um, go to for for me, and I'm sure for a lot of people for hard info. And I've always thought watching you lecture that you give you give terrifically good, bountiful, hard scientific information, and that's just what one needs. Well, I, I think the thing is, as a sort of ex-medic, so a little bit sciencey, I, I love the trialing and experimental side of gardening. And if you do something slightly different, you have greater success. And in a sense, that's the thing that floats my boat more than anything now here in the garden is the trials and the new things coming out. And if I'm going to do it and it floats my boat, I just know that everybody else will be interested to know about how one can do it slightly better or choose a slightly better variety. And so that's really the foundation stone of what I do. But let's talk not about me, but about you, because that's why we're here. And I'd love you to just give us all just a really brief, I know you've been asked this a hundred times, but sort of biog of the Emma Bridgewater brand from that first present that you wanted to give your mum to where we are now, really. Well, I fell into the potteries entirely by accident. I while I was at university, I thought I might train as a social worker. Didn't quite have the guts for that, it turned out. And I thought I was, then I was pretty sure I was going to go into publishing. And I imagined myself as a literary agent. And on the way, came, sort of had a revelation in a china shop that when I was trying to buy mum a present, that what was needed didn't exist and how peculiar that was. And I thought about, I stood in, a chi- in one of those old fashioned china shops. And thought about her kitchen and had this sort of rather startling conviction that there should be a dresser, something like the dresser in her kitchen, on that wall of the shop. And it, what what it should look like. It was quite. It was still quite an impressionistic picture because I hadn't really started to think about what the pottery would look like or how to make it or anything. I knew nothing 
about such yeah. things, but it seemed so startling that it didn't exist. Mm. And I bumped into a, a friend, a grown-up friend, graphic designer. Do you remember how many of them there used to be in the 80s? Very yes. successful. <laughs> and said, if I wanted to make some nice pottery, what would I do? Well, I'd had some experience working for girls who were getting their really marvellous knitwear designs made by home knitters. And I had a huge desire to be to work in a factory, which I thought would be um, much more, much easier to sort of manage and expand. Little did I know. And I mean, obviously, therein lay a sort of well, the battle of my life, really. Um, yes. Uh, but Terry said, well, you go to Stoke-on-Trent, you know, the potteries, you, re- you remember, they told you about it in geography lessons. And indeed, they had. And he he gave me one man's telephone number. I scribbled it on my fag packet, rang him up the next day. And Terry did that marvellous thing, um, which he really, oh, gosh, I value it, which is he didn't just say, oh, you could try this guy. He said, ring him, go and see him and come back and tell me how you get on. So he sort of, he required a report. Brilliant, and, brilliant. Uh, and so it began and I did some, you know, quite babyish drawings of some shapes that I knew it was going to be about mugs instinctively, but I knew I wanted to make it look bigger than that. Off I went to Stoke. And when I, in that first taxi drive across the city, I knew, I knew I'd met my fate. I knew I was mm. going to work there. I desperately wanted to revive one of those factories. I didn't wow. know what a state the industry was in, but I could see that, I mean, what I was looking at was the end of heavy industry. Obviously, I didn't, yeah. I couldn't articulate that. But I was very shocked by it and also very inspired by the city and its traditions. And I plugged into the thing that was being sort of set set aside by the potteries, which was the incredible expertise and talent, the tradition of making there, which seemed to me to be immensely valuable. And that's what I based Mm. my business on. And it was weird because it was the right thing at the right time. I walked into Sam's little tiny little shed, really, in a back street and thought it's going to happen here. I, you know, he, mm. there it was, there were, he was making pottery yeah. and I showed him my drawings and he te- started teasing me then and went on teasing me for some years <laughs> and he made for me for five years. It was amazing. I mean, you know, I wouldn't have done it without him. He was a very good model maker, really yeah. very, very good. Um, turned my, sh- the shapes out very quickly and sent me, then he'd make me a few, like a hundred or so. I think he mm-hmm. just thought she looks like she's good for a few hundred quid because it turned out he was, I mean, in business terms, he was always very hand to mouth and quite shaky and he went bankrupt for a, a, the ultimate time. I mean, as far as I was concerned, five years in and I was forced to buy his business. And by that time I was married and my husband, Gosh. Matthew and I, and a third business partner raised the money to buy his factory over the weekend and plunged into the sort of mad adventure of, of manufacturing in Stoke. And whilst all around me, accountants and parents and godfathers and things were saying, do not do this. This is completely yes. suicidal. I can see what they meant because it was what followed was very testing, but they were totally wrong as well. In that I think the reason my, you know, my business has has gone on is the fascination and the the big both challenge and satisfaction of running a factory. My children now kind of, I can see them looking fascinated, shocked, and and sort of um, a bit disapproving <laughs> or something. I mean, it, it was, it, it's quite odd <gasps> to think about it. I don't know about you, but I spent my time at school and at university longing for a sign <laughs> from somewhere as to what I was supposed to do with my life. 
And so that, that trip seemed to be the sign. Yeah. God, that's such a great story. I mean, I've heard it before, but but not in that detail. And, it, and it's totally wonderful. And I have been round the factory twice with you, actually. And um, I couldn't more passionately recommend the factory tours. Are you, are you still doing them in Stoke where you can go and get shown round how the whole process starts? Yeah, yeah. For, for obvious reasons, it's been it's been impossible recently. But I think we're yes, saying March, maybe April, perhaps. If businesses like yours and mine can can kind of adapt and uh, sort of adjust to the to the situation, I think it, I think there are great opportunities. But so we we've had to keep the factory tours a bit. We well, we keep on postponing starting them again. But I yeah. I think we need to do it virtually with a bit of five G. Yes, it's going to take us a little good while idea. to get on with that. Yeah, that's a brilliant good, idea. But I was um, looking at your recent catalogue last night and um, there are so many things inspired by nature. And uh, there's a beautiful new daily, which I think might be Labyrinth, which is one of my very, very favourite varieties. And there's a wonderful foxglove and there's a poppy, you know, all, all the best flowers really. And then just relevant to now as they're just all coming out in the garden is your whole new range of tulip designs. And um, the reason that we've sort of come together today is to talk about that as well as other things, because um, it's a nice moment, which is right at the end of an away day tour that I was doing in your part of the world. I was coming to the end. And so I had some spare stock of tulips from the shop and um, we just plonk them all in your garden and up they came. And so they've all been painted and they've now are on this whole new range of mugs and beautiful linen tablecloth and jugs and everything, all the, the loveliest classic Emma Bridgewater shapes. And it's so exciting because it's like meeting my friends when I have breakfast because there's the pointed scented ballerina, which is bright orange, and then there's the frilly stocky Rococo, and then there's me, then there's the Sarah Raven tulip, which is sort of unlike me, skinny, <laughs> and, and um, this beautiful dark rich colour. But anyway, it is literally, as I, as I have my cup of tea, there are my mates sitting in front of me. And it's, um, I find that very moving. I love it. You know, tell me about why you decided to do tulips. Well, it's not the first time we've done them, but it is a very, very lovely bit of, as you say, of sort of circularity and, and life's nice kind of exchanges. And it, it probably is in the end chance which ones we chose. And the tulips mm. are key. The, the dahlias, very nice to, re, to relate, are painted, the dahlias that are in the current, that just come out catalogue. Kitty, our second daughter, painted. Oh, and she's going to be kitties. doing quite a bit of illustrating for us, which is lovely. And at the moment, the, as I say, the company's expanding a lot and we're, we're going much further into, sort of out beyond pottery into table linen and such. And the tulips are just so fantastic for that. Mm. I mean, what I am trying to do is make sure that when the catalogue drops or when we email you, what we'll show you is exactly what you want to think about just right now. And so mm. well, the sort of spring fun of, of obviously the garden's still looking pretty bleak, but what we're all yeah. now getting excited about is that spring's not far away and then summer. And, and so it's sort of like a kind of really lovely fanfare to show all these things now. And I noticed that you talk in your catalogue about wanting full-on colour, but also full-on life in your garden and the garden as a habitat. And we're sort of absolutely on the same note ourselves in that 
you might notice close up that there are lots more insects everywhere. I mean, there's a bees yes. pattern, a butterfly's pattern, but yes, there should be insects and bugs and birds and all sorts creeping into the patterns because suddenly it, it struck me that they have to come alive. You know, that absolutely vital thing that we can all do in our little gardens is make a habitat is, is such a great positive thought, isn't it? Isn't it? Uh, that, yeah, that's so, it is so positive. And we need, we need that at the moment, don't we? And talking of positive, I'd love to hear about how Stoke is and how you feel things are going sort of in general there as well as in the business. Because, I mean, I know with the pottery throwdown, there's been a great renaissance in interest in not just factory pottery, but also handmade pottery, hasn't there? The throwdown's been fantastic for Stoke. It's put a spring in all of our steps and the brilliant production company that made it are also responsible for the bake-off. So they've, they're they're on a real sort of big role at the moment. It sort of showed the city to the rest of the country. We're, we're such a strange country, aren't we? We don't explore very much. I mm. really hope that a post-lockdown, post-COVID effect might be that people that we do all take to exploring our own country a bit more. But there are more visitors in Stoke. The industry, sadly, hasn't transformed. It is powerful and adaptive. But one of our main focuses, not me, but some of the other potteries, was the hospitality industry, the cruise ships, the pubs and all that. And as we all mm. know, that's been that's quite a difficult area. Mm. So there's been a certain amount of scaling back. Right, yeah. But I think, like everywhere else, they... I feel that the city had this it sort of dug deep and coped with the the huge strains of lockdown with immense good humor, absolutely characteristic good humor. At Emma Bridgewater, we are having a lot of success at the moment and we're growing pretty fast. I employ between four and five hundred people. It obviously it varies um seasonally. That's between the factory, the warehouse, the shops and all that. And I feel I feel hugely positive for houseware brands. I love that we're sort of seeing a move away from fast fashion towards more sustainable sort of ways of, of living our lives. We've just got mm. B Corp certification. I don't know if you've come across mm. this American yes. uh, sort of business model, which has got a lot of ethical and su- sustainable values built into it. I'd massively recommend it. No, I, I absolutely. It's so interesting, the B Corp thing, because we are, in fact, just working towards hoping to get ourselves in good enough shape to do that. And and similarly, as you in the factory, we've actually just bought our nursery and where we've we've been growing everything already for 12 or 13 years. But they're a wonderful, wonderful family business. And we're working with them to move entirely peat-free, entirely plastic-free in all our packaging using only grey water off the roofs for the watering and using biomass boilers for all our propagating. You know, like you, I feel it's incredibly exciting. Of course, it takes you away from the designs on your pots and me from the collections, but I still very much am involved with all of that. But it is how you can sort of feel you can hold your head up high, (laughs) in a sense, with one's business is an incredibly important thing and, and never more so, I think. I, I completely agree. And actually, in the end, I started out thinking that that the B Corp project was going to be very much sort of to do with the nuts and bolts of the business. But it comes straight back into the designing very, very quickly in that mm. what we've just been talking about, the, the subject matter 
suddenly it's all full of insects and birds and a little yeah. mice and things yeah. like that. There's a sort of instinctive understanding that we've got to treat the world differently. And and even we're talking about trying to it's it's enabled a conversation about about loving the designs for longer and not being quite so mm. we got sort of almost too effective about bringing on so much pattern every season. Yes. I feel that um that the yeah, the principles of working intelligently and kindly are really, really important. Yeah, no, well, that's so good. Well, I, I think we, we can sort of draw to a close, really. I feel it's a, a, a lovely, positive end. And I suppose what I feel both of us have recognised and our customers too, which is whereas five years ago, having a, a bee on a pattern or certainly a wasp or a hoverfly would have been seen to be a bug. And now People just absolutely love them, you know, as soon as there's anything that's to do with garden birds or or pollinators. We just notice that our customers just completely celebrate and adore it. And it sounds like it's exactly the same for you. So I feel that's a really good, positive end to this brief chat. But it's incredibly lovely to talk to you, Emma, and to realise, apart from friendship, that there's so many synergies between what we're both up to. It was really lovely. Thank you for having me. Thanks for listening to that wonderful podcast between Sarah and my old boss, Emma. Wonderful to hear what Emma's been up to. And next week, I'll be back with Sarah and we will be in Lincolnshire touring around the Sarah Raven Nursery rookery behind the scenes. I can't wait for that. So join us both then. You can find more information, photos and advice sheets on all the plants and recipes that we talk about in this podcast by heading to the links in the show notes or on our website at sarahaven.com.